All right, if you're in Kidmo, you can head on out. Okay, all right, well, we're glad you're here today, and uh, I thank you to everybody who brought something for Room in the Inn. Uh, we're excited for our graduates. Uh, Tyler, congratulations. We're excited about where you're headed next and what all is in your future, and uh, I don't know, I wasn't in here, I don't know if you mentioned that Stephanie has graduated for, with her master's, so we're excited for her. She's very smart now, and if you've got questions about anything in life, she can now answer them, so um, that's what happens when you get a master's degree, right, Stephanie? No, that's not right? Okay. Um, anyways, uh, we're also excited and hope that you'll stick around for a, a shower for Allison and Chris, and um, gosh, I was just thinking this week um, when we started, it's been 10 years, and Cassie and Allison, 10 years ago, have been just such a great part of our church, and if you've got kids, you know Allison, because she's probably kept them at one point or another, and they've just been so great, um, and just such a wonderful family. I uh, hope you'll stick around for that after. Um, we've been in a series called For the Love, and then we have spent, uh, we spent last week, and we're going to spend the next few weeks talking about different situations and scenarios in which love can be messy. And today, to some of your chagrin and others of you that this is right where you're at, we're going to be talking about dating. Now, if you are here and you're thinking, the last thing I need is a date, I want you to pay attention. Uh, Because some of the things we're going to talk about go far beyond what dating is all about. And in fact, if you are married, some of the things I'm going to share with you today are also crucial um, and so I hope you'll hang with me and not tune out. Students, uh, I hope you guys are paying attention. And it just so happens that none of my kids are in here. How does that work out? I'm not sure. Um, Jake's in with Kidmo. He's helping with Kidmo today. And Deidre and the girls are all in Knoxville. My nie- uh, niece is getting baptized this morning, so she can't miss seeing her niece baptized. So anyways, um, I will be sharing this with them later. Uh, <laughs> And I know they're really excited about that. Um, The reason I wanted us to talk about this, last week we talked about parenting. We're backing up to talk about dating. The reason I want us to talk about this in the context of messy love is because you and I, we are created, built to seek out intimate relationships with others. Now, one of the reasons we are built this way is because ultimately God created us to have an intimate relationship with Him. And along the way, God recognized that you and I, we do not like doing life alone. And in fact, we need somebody to share life with in some form or fashion. Sometimes that means a spouse, sometimes it doesn't. But the reality is, is that you and I struggle to sometimes find those relationships that become the closest relationships that we can share our life with. And dating is both the most exciting and the most frustrating of all relationship building. Amen? Okay, you disagree with me already. We're okay with that, all right? It is the most exciting and most frustrating, especially as you get started. And if you've got your Bibles, we're going to jump around for a few things. I'm just going to share a few things with you, and um, some of these I have already shared with my kids, and some of these I just wanted to share with you today. But in Genesis chapter 2, starting with verse 19, this is where we see that God has created us, and He created us to have intimate relationships. It says in verse 19, Now out of the ground of the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. 
And whatever the man called every living creature, that was his name. The man gave names to all the livestock, to all the birds of the heavens, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this is at last, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man leaves his father and mother and holds fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. You know, when I was growing up, dating seemed awfully complicated. I don't know about you. Some of you just strike me as people that, like, it came naturally to you. You just walked in, and you just had a date whenever you wanted. Me, not so much. For the rest of you that not so much, I'm, I'm one of you, all right? And uh, I've shared before, my first girlfriend, I was in second grade, and it was a very intimate relationship in that I wrote her a note uh, once a year and asked her if she would go with me. And I didn't specify where we were going. I don't know why we don't specify where we're going. Just, will you go with me and check yes or no? And for the first two years, she checked yes. Third year, she checked no. That was not a good year. And I remember, I remember the thing that attracted me to her were not the angles of her face, despite what Doc said on the screen, but it was that she was an Atlanta Falcons fan. And I just thought that was awesome. And, uh, and so I, I just remember thinking, oh, I just, I don't know, I don't know what it means to have a girlfriend. I just know there's something that I'm supposed to have one and my friends will think I'm cool if I do because none of them have girl, girlfriends. I remember one time she came up to me and, and made me sweat profusely because she said she wanted to talk to me. <laughs> I was like, what? I didn't ask you to talk to me. I asked you to go with me. And so she called me that day, and it was the most awkward conversation I think I've ever had in my life. And I, that may be why she checked no the next year, that she wasn't going to go with me. Anyways, um, as I grew, as I got older, I remember in sixth grade, I had a crush on another girl, and uh, I couldn't get past the gatekeeper. Now, some of you know exactly what I mean by that. The gatekeeper is a friend that keeps you out, right? They're terrible people. And what ends up happening is, is when the, you have two really close friends and you express some interest, one friend has to get the approval of the other friend. And if you don't get approval of the other friend, you're, there's no luck. And so I, again, sent my note, will you go with me? And I read, sixth grade, you're a little old for, for doing notes, but I didn't know what else to do. And of course, I didn't even see the note back. I didn't even get a check. I mean, it just ended in the trash. So that was the one that got away, right? Sixth grade, one that got away. Um, anyways, dating, as you get older, gets a little easier, but at the same time, it gets a little more frustrating and a little more difficult. And part of the reason is because God has created you to seek out someone to be a significant other most of the time. Now, Paul tells us that not everybody is supposed to date. Not everybody is supposed to have a relationship um, that ends in marriage. Or you're, some people, God has set aside that you're just, you are going to spend your time in your life with him rather than investing in someone else. And we'll talk about that again in just a few minutes. But for those of you that don't believe God has called you to that place, I want to share some things a little different. I'm not going to give you dating advice, although if you've seen my other half, you'll know I was actually pretty good at it. Um, She not so much, but I did a pretty good job. And so I do think that I've got some stuff 
to share with you that is important. One of the problems that you end up with, especially when you're in high school or younger, is that dating seems very complicated, doesn't it? You've got to find the right person. You've got to find somebody that you mix well with. You've got to find somebody that, you know, we can talk about the right things and we have the right interests and everything. And it just feels like everything's so complicated. But, but really, dating is not meant to be complicated. Dating is, at its very essence, preparation for marriage at its essence. Now, I will admit right away that it's been a while since I've dated, and that's a good thing. The thought of having to go on another date other than with my wife is just a terrible thought for me. I, I never want to have to go through that experience again. So some of you who are still in it, I, I applaud you. I also recognize that kids date differently today than Deidre and I did when we were younger. And uh, there's also this difference between dating and hanging out. Is that right? Would you guys say that's right? Dating and hanging out are two different things. See, when I was growing up, dating and hanging out were the same thing if it was the same person, right? Okay. I have some other parents recognizing that dating is different today than it used to be. But I would, you know, in talking with Jake, he would tell me, I would be like, so you guys got a date? Oh no, we're just going to hang out. Is she going to be there? Yeah, she's going to be. That's a date. No, oh, no, it's not a date. She's just, she's just going to be hanging out. Well, are you going to go pick her up? Well, no, it's not a date, Dad. I'm not going to go pick her up. I mean, we're just going to hang out. And, and I just I struggle with that, and I just look at him, and I know he looks at me like, Dad, you just are clueless. And I realize that, and in, in, in some of this I am, but dating at its core is not just hanging out, but is preparation for marriage. And this is what I would say to you, whether you are looking for someone or whether you are in a relationship with someone right now. Number one thing I want to share with you about navigating this messy love that we sometimes have to struggle with is guard your heart. Guard your heart. When I was young, I remember I dated a girl in high school. And I, we, we dated for about a year and a half. I mean, we were at the part where we were talking about getting married. You know, I was a junior in high school. I thought we had it figured out. And uh, I would just, we would talk about growing old together, even though we didn't, you know, we couldn't even make it on our own yet. We didn't even have a high school education yet. We didn't go to college. We didn't have a job. We couldn't pay any bills. We were talking about getting married and living all this life. And there was just something that is so compelling about being with someone that believes you're important to them. And it makes you want to give more and more of your heart to them. It makes you just want to interweave your life and be with them. And that is a natural progression and part of finding your spouse. But I'll just say to you guys, guard your heart. I remember my dad, he would tell me regularly, you know, why don't you kind of date around? And I, dating around is not a thing. Dating around is what my parents did. You know, you kind of date different people. No one got upset. But literally, if you, da- if you go on a date and then you go on a date with someone else, everybody gets mad, don't they? It's a completely different world in which we live in. Guard your heart. Proverbs 4.23 says this, and this is why this is so crucial. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And if there was only one thing I was going to say to you today, this would be it. Guard your heart, because that is what will determine the course of your life. Now, I know I didn't really buy into that when I was younger, and it was as I've gotten older that I've understood and as I've watched other people 
But the person that you mix your life with will very much determine where you go, the, the values that they carry, how they treat you, what their life is like, the way that they handle difficult situations. All of that will have an effect on you. And if you give your heart away prematurely, then you open yourself up for a place of being in a relationship that is very difficult. I was, uh, I was recently eating lunch at a, at a restaurant, and I just, I couldn't, I was literally right beside them, and I felt like I needed to leave. It was so obvious I could hear everything going on in the conversation. But I had my laptop with me, so I just typed away like I was oblivious, and, and I, it was a heartbreaking conversation. It was between a young girl and a young guy, and they had clearly at some point gotten together, and they were trying to hash out their differences and how they could somehow be together because along the way, not only had they given their heart away, they had physically given themselves to each other, and she got pregnant. And it was through tears, and it was in anger, and it was in all kinds of just just heart-wrenching conversation between the two. They were trying to figure out how to do life together now that they had a child together. And I would just say that one of the things that you have to do is recognize that you cannot give your heart away until you know that God is leading you in this direction. And ultimately what God is asking you to prepare your heart and to guard your heart for is to recognize that it is very easy to put a person in the place that only God himself should hold. That is the number one problem for Christians in dating. Uh, just in talking with friends and, and you know, being uh, you know, a single person um, growing up, I, loneliness is a terrible motivator. Because loneliness pushes you into the arms of someone just to silence the loneliness. But God has prepared something for you far better than the lack of loneliness. When God brought Adam and Eve together and when God began you know, sharing with them what does it look like for you two to come together and live life together, one of the things that he said was that Adam, no, no helper was found suitable for him. And so God has very much in mind a relationship where you are both multiplying your efforts in life, where you help each other, encourage each other, and take you through that. Now when you find that person, that's one of the things we're celebrating today for Allison and Chris, when you find that person, then that is a beautiful moment when you come together and together you are growing in your faith and you recognize that God is the author of this thing that is happening. But I would say first and foremost, guard your heart. Similarly, I'd say this to, to you as you're beginning to um, maybe think about this, or maybe you're not beginning, you've been doing this for a long time now. It's one of the problems that you can run into when you don't guard your heart is that you lose your own identity. Now, husbands and wives in the room, you can do this too. There is a portion that our world begins to talk about relationships in the sense that you so intertwine your lives that where one of you begins, you can't tell where the other one ends. 
And that is not the way God has designed marriage. That's not the way God has designed us to interact with each other. And in truth, having your own identity and knowing who you are is crucial before you're able to know who we are in a relationship. I've shared before that I think the most crucial principle in looking for a spouse or in dating in general is that you cannot be healthy together if you are not healthy alone. You cannot be healthy together unless you are able to be healthy alone. Second thing, guard your heart, number one. Second thing is this. Keep the main thing the main thing. All right? And guys, girls, everyone in this room, this is for all of us. In Mark 12, it says, One of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he, Jesus, answered them, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, The most important is... Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. You know, one of the things that Deidre and I have learned in our relationship is that if we are both not on point with our relationship with God, if we are not both on point with our relationship with God, things do not go well. We argue more. We get upset with each other more. We are less inclined to think about what is best for you and what are your needs. We are less inclined to do that. We are more inclined to make decisions that are not healthy decisions for our family, whether that be financial decisions, whether that be career decisions, any decisions. We are less inclined to make healthy decisions. And the truth is, whether we're talking about dating, whether we're talking about marriage, whether we're talking about friendship, if we're just talking about life in general, this is the principle for you to grasp and to hold on to and to never let go. Keep the main thing the main thing. Your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend is not capable of maintaining a place that only God can hold. And we get really frustrated when we think we found the one and we heap on them the expectation that they will be our everything. Now, when I say our everything, what I mean by that is if I'm not happy, I'm looking for someone to make me happy. If I'm depressed, I'm looking for someone to make me less depressed, (laughs) you know? If I have low self-esteem, I'm looking for someone to give me identity that I can be proud of. And one of the ways that we do that early on when we're young and we, we really don't know the way that relationships work yet is we dive into a relationship because we think this person is going to fill me in all of those empty places that I feel that I have. And when you ask a person to fill that... It never works. It never works. Deidre and I tell our kids all the time that I cannot make her happy. She cannot make me happy. We are each responsible for pursuing healthy things that make us happy. And when we are together, we make that multiply. 
But if I put Deidre in the place where my happiness is dependent on how she treats me, there are days that she doesn't treat me well. And I don't you go tell her I said that. <laughs> there are days that she doesn't treat me so well. And there are days that she comes home from work and it's been a bad day at work and she is worn out. And when I walk in and I expect her just to glow with excitement that I have walked in the door and I just, she thinks that her day is made because I am here and she doesn't respond that way, then she disappoints me. We won't talk about ways that I disappoint her because that's just not, that's for another time. And I'd really have to think hard on when those times were. She wouldn't, but I would. Amen. Thank you, Herman. Preach it. Preach it. God has placed within you a need for Him. He has placed within you a hole that can only be filled by Him. I know that's a terrible analogy, but it is true in this case. God has placed within you a desire to seek intimacy with Him first and others next. And when we mix those up, there is nothing but frustration and hardship that follows. Because God is capable of holding our hopes and our dreams, and we are not. And so when you enter into a relationship, keep the main thing the main thing. God is always first in healthy relationships. And people will say, well, you know, we know people that don't know God and they have a good relationship. Well, they may. There's much that we are built in God's image and the capacity to love is is part of God's image that is in all of us. Although I would say this, you cannot fully love until you understand how God fully loves. Because love is sacrificial Love does not want its own or seek its own. Love is forgiving and giving. Love is seeking to elevate the other, not to elevate themselves. And I will tell you, those are not principles by which you grow up in this world embracing naturally. Those are intentional things that you learn as you begin to understand how God loves you. To keep the main thing the main thing. In your marriages... It is very easy to put your spouse in the place of God because you can see them, you can talk to them, they can take you out to dinner, they can do all kinds of things for you that are a physical, tangible presence with you, and it's very easy to put them in that place. And if you come from a broken place, if you come from a broken family, if you come from a family that struggles to show love, guess what? You're going to struggle to show love because we imitate the way that we have learned. Now, the way that I say that to Deidre, I, I, I share this principle with her regularly and say, you know, you're becoming just like your mother. It's not a good thing to say. She tells me I'm coming just like my father. Sometimes a good thing, not always. All, you guys who know him think, oh, that's a wonderful compliment. Listen, you didn't grow up with him, all right? He's not perfect. He's not perfect. The the saying in our family between my father and I is that we may not be right, but we are never in doubt. I'll tell you that that leads to some frustrating expressions of love when that is your personality. Keep the main thing the main thing. 
God has to remain central for a relationship to be healthy. If God is not central, the relationship cannot remain healthy because we are not learning the best expressions of love. One of the things that we also share with our kids is is this. Whenever you're in a relationship, be who you want to be with. I don't mean become them. (laughs) What I mean is mimic the type of person that you want to be in a relationship with. Mimic the kind of person that you want to be in a relationship with. If you want to be in a relationship in which you're shown respect, show respect. If you want to be in a relationship that honors God, honor God. If you want to be in a relationship that grows in a healthy way, make sure you yourself alone are growing in a healthy way. Be what you want, who you want to be with. I've already said this, you cannot be healthy with someone else unless you are healthy by yourself. Ephesians 5 says this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Verse 32 absolutely rocks our understanding of marriage. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Now remember, dating is complicated, and I get it. There are some dates that are just friends. I I remember in college, I'd go out with people just as friends, and it was kind of a date because I would ask them to go with me, and it was kind of a date, but kind of not a date. I get that, and I I don't want to put too much power over just these, you know, random times that you get together with your friends, but I, I would... Uh, just say this, that when things move beyond, oh yeah, they're cool to hang out with. When it goes beyond that, remember, this is preparation for marriage. And when we begin to think about marriage, marriage is not just two people who are so in love and so enamored with each other, and then they share the bills, and they have kids, and then life is perfect. But marriage is and was created to mimic the relationship between Christ and the church. The main thing is you are mimicking the love relationship between Christ and the church. And when we look at Christ's relationship with the church, what we often see is great giving, great love, and great sacrifice. So whenever we talk about dating, keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing is your relationship with Christ. That is your main thing. In your marriage, your main thing is your relationship with Christ. Anytime you start moving outside of that, things get really weird and things begin to break down. Number three, a third thing. This is from my mother. I might as well sign this from my mother because she told me this every day of my life, it feels like. Date people that are headed in the same direction that you are. I have a verse for that. 2 Corinthians 6.14. This is the most quoted verse from my mother in my teen years to me. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. Some of your versions say, don't be yoked with unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols, for we are the temple 
of the living God. Now, there are lots of definitions of what it means to be yoked with an unbeliever. You know what a yoke is, right? A, do what? What's inside an egg? What's inside a, an egg? No, not that yoke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talk about messy. That would be messy. Yeah. A yoke is an implement that farmers would use whenever they would use horses or cattle or oxen or any number of large animals to pull something. And they would take two of these animals, they would pair them up and put a yoke on their necks. I know, I grew up, everybody knew what a yoke was, but you know, more and more people don't know what a yoke is, I guess. And what you would do is you would typically pair a very experienced animal with a younger, inexperienced animal. And depending on how well they worked together, depended on how straight your rows were when you were farming. And it would depend on how quickly you would get things done and how well you could work together. And so really the analogy here is not just that you're bound together. Because I think I grew up thinking, don't be yoked together. I just had this image of two people just kind of tied up together. And I just thought, that's so weird. I don't, why does the Bible talk about that? But that's really not what it's talking about, that you're just kind of encapsulated into a relationship where you're forced to be together. That's really not what he's talking about. What, what he's talking about is when you're going in a direction, are you both going in the same direction? Because if you have two animals and they're, they're, all, they're hooked together, and one wants to go this way and one wants to go straight, you'll never go straight. You'll always be pulled. And the reason that they would pair an older, more experienced animal with a younger, less experienced animal is because the younger one didn't know what to do, but the older did. So you need to date older people. No, that's not really what it says. (laughs) That's not really what it says. But what he's saying, and this is a principle both in dating, this is a principle in marriage, this is a principle in business, this is a principle in the people that you allow to be the closest in your intimate circle of friends, where they go, guess what? That's where you go too. And so if we're not super careful about who we yoke with, they take us in other places. Now there have been times... I. That I have struggled with this in dating. I, I, I dated a girl, and, and I have lots of dating stories, but I'm literally telling you almost every dating story I have. So I don't want you to think I'm like this super mega dating star, because I was not. I, and when I met Deidre, it was like, whew, you know, I, I'm so glad. I feel like I'm kind of, you know, I navigated this and I get out of this thing. But, but I, I dated a girl in high school, and she was, she was super popular, and she was very creative. She was part of the, the theater group, and they were all just, you know, whatever your stereotypical theater person was, that's what she was. But I was absolutely enamored with her, and I just thought she was awesome. But it was just, she and I did not have the same values. I grew up in the church. Faith was important to me. was not to her. I've, I really thought she was awesome, and I thought she was really cute. So I was okay to look over the faith thing, right? She had the good angles, like Doc said. You know, she had the good angles. And so we dated for a while, and we had a rule in the house, and so we continued that with our family in that you are not allowed to be in the house with a date without one of us here. <laughs> it's one of our rules. I had that rule growing up, and uh, this particular... <laughs> This particular girl, she, uh, she liked to break rules. And so she was always asking to come over to the house. 
And so one time she came over, and no one was supposed to be home. And all this, and we weren't doing anything. Those of you who are thinking, we weren't doing anything. We were like literally not doing anything. Anyways, um, if you have a garage door in your house, an electric garage door opener, and you're doing something you're not supposed to be doing, there is nothing that gets your adrenaline pumping more when the electric garage door begins to open. <laughs> And I want to tell you, it was my lowest moment, I think, ever in, in just disobeying my parents. Because it was like, oh no. And then I was like, how do I get her out? How do I get her out of here? And every movie you've ever seen of somebody jumping out a window, it, that's how it felt. It was like, I got to get you out. I, I got to get you out of here. And uh, I had a, ended up having a long talk. I got in so much trouble. Had a long talk with mom and dad. And ultimately, they, they were not hard on me. I was really surprised. They were not hard on me. But they talked to me about this very principle. You have to be careful who you yoke with. Because they will take you where they are. You've got to make sure that you're going in the same direction. Now, that doesn't mean you have to have all the same likes and dislikes. Deidre and I have lots of different likes and dislikes. You know, she, some of the things she likes to do, I have no interest in. Some of the things I like to do, she has no interest in. We do, however, have lots of things that we do like to do together, which is really crucial. Sometimes, you know, we say opposite attracts. There's nothing wrong with opposites attracting as long as the two of you are moving in the same direction, taking you to the same place. One of those tensions that you're going to struggle with is finding that out. And dating really is the tryout. It's not the marriage. And so a lot of what dating is is figuring out what you're looking for and figuring out who are they really. One of the things I figured out when Deidre and I got married is that she had, she had a lot more issues than she shared when we were dating. And the truth is I had a lot more issues than I shared when we were dating, too. Because when you're dating, don't you, you put your best foot forward and you hide all the stuff that you don't want people to tell and your best friends, you say, you know what, don't tell them that's those stories. <laughs> you know, just let me, let me be this persona in which I'm sharing with you. But once you get married, that goes away, amen? Can I get an amen? Once you're living with each other 24-7, those personas, they end real quick. And all those things in which you've tried to be a better person and show that, you know what, I'm a lot better at this than I really am, they go away real quick. All those times where you have just shown that, you know, hey, I'm taking care of you, I, you're my main focus, I'm just looking after you, it's just 100% you, you, you. When you get married, that goes away. Because there's no way to escape. <laughs> and so who you are inside comes out full force. Now, this happens for everybody. No one is 100% transparent when they're dating. And no one is 100% perfect ever. Date people that are headed in the same direction as you. Number four. Number four. Know your options. One of the things that, that I've already shared is my parents, they, they were all about dating around. And here's the thing, know, know your options, which is really whether you're choosing a job, whether you're, you're, you're going on a date. Dating many gives you confidence to choose one. 
Dating many gives you confidence to choose one. Now, why is that? Well, because the girl that got me in a lot of trouble, I would not have known to stay away from certain things if I had not experienced that. Now, I I dated a girl for a long time in high school, and every time we would get off the phone, I was in trouble. I don't know if you've ever been in those relationships. If you are, get out. (laughs) But I was always in trouble by the time we get off the phone. And if I said, and I just said goodbye, and and she meant it completely in this kind of endearing, oh, I love you, you're so wonderful, I've never met another person as wonderful as you are, you know, that's the way my girlfriends thought of me oftentimes, but... um, (laughs) And I think that's kind of what she meant. But what she would say is, don't say goodbye. Now, some of you ladies are like, I get it. I know what she's doing. But you just got to understand for a dude who's like, I'm in trouble for saying goodbye. There's nothing endearing about that. It drives you nuts. I was constantly in trouble and constantly, constantly trying to, to keep her from being mad at me over silly things and But those were all experiences that came into the big melting pot for me to know who I was looking for. It was interesting, the girl, another girl I dated in college, I thought she was the one. I was certain she was the one. Dad said I had always said I was going to marry a tall blonde. (laughs) I don't remember saying that, but it certainly didn't pan out that way. Um, But she was the only blonde I ever dated, and I just, I thought she was the one. And dating is is a little like bumper cars when you're trying to go in a straight line. You know, you kind of bump back and forth. And you just are, you know, trying different things. And you're trying to figure out people and who you are and who you mesh with and who you want to be with. And you you kind of bump back and forth until you kind of narrow out. She was really the last bumper car for me. I thought she was the one that she wasn't. But it took time and it took options for me to understand Who has God made me for? Now, some of you have come up in traditions believing God has made one person for you and only one. And it is your endeavor within life to find that one person. And I will just say, if you believe that, go for it and good luck. (laughs) Good luck. Because there are 7 billion people on the planet and you've got to figure out which is the only one God has given for you. I'm not a proponent of that. I'm not a proponent of that. But know your options. Dating many gives you confidence to choose one. And as you're looking through your options, I believe God gives us a pattern by which to judge others. This comes in 1 Samuel, and it's when Samuel's choosing a king to follow Saul. And Samuel comes to David's household and shares God's criteria for choosing someone. Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord and invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do and you shall anoint for me him who I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem and the elders of the city came to meet with trembling and said, do you come peaceably? When Samuel showed up, by the way, people were afraid because when the prophet showed up, he had a word and a lot of times if a prophet showed up, the word was not good. So do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. He consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And when they came, he looked at Eliab and he thought, Surely the Lord's anointed 
is before him. In dating terms, that means he said, wow. You're hot. <laughs> now, Samuel didn't say that about Eliab. You know, dating. I'm talking about dating now. If Samuel said that about Eliab, that would be troubling. But that's literally what's happening here, okay? Man, Man you're good looking. Said no one about me ever, but <laughs> thankfully Deidre was, had a relationship with the Lord and looked at my heart, not at the rest of me. <laughs> Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. The truth is, when we use our eyes to be the only determining factor of who we're going to spend our lives with, we are usually disappointed. Because I can attest to you, I was a lot better looking when I was younger. And Deidre stuck with me. (laughs) She is stuck with me. And so really for her, the sad truth is it's only going to get worse. (laughs) This is encouraging. Y'all are very encouraged today, right? I just wanted to encourage you in your relationships. (laughs) And yet the thing that keeps a couple together for the rest of their life, is that they move beyond all of those things and they see each other's hearts. And it is their hearts that draw them to long-term relationships. When God was choosing a king to follow Saul, he said, don't pick the tallest, the strongest, the best spoken, the one that has got it all together and everybody when he walks in the room goes, wow, that guy's awesome. Look on their heart. Because that's where it really matters. And a lot of figuring out in dating is figuring out how to see someone's heart. It took me a long time to figure that out. And generally, it takes a long time to see that in a person. And depending on their background, it may take you even longer. If there's baggage, if there's hurt, if there's pain, if there's been abuse. It takes longer to really peel back the layers and see who a person really is. But know your options. Also, I would just say this, and I say this because I tell Deidre this all the time. No one is perfect. <laughs> no one is perfect. When we're looking for someone, we, we all have some kind of mental checklist that we are checking boxes off about this is the person I'm going to date. This is the person I'm going to marry. This is the person I'm going to be with for the rest of my life. And if you put them on the pedestal of perfection, because when you're dating, you only see their best, understand that the time is going to come when that perfect facade cracks. And do you know enough about this person to love them even though they're not perfect? Some things you'll struggle with or what are you willing to compromise on? If you're looking for the person that meets every need and every desire that you ever had, and you've already, you know, you've been doing Barbie weddings since you were four years old, and you're waiting for your kin to come by or whoever it is now, that person person doesn't exist. 
I think it's crucial in knowing your options to know well, what, are your, what is your heart and what are your goals? What are your hopes and dreams? Where do you want your life to go? Where, do you look, where does your life look like with someone else? Where are you hoping it will go? One of the things in, in marriage camp, there are, there are a, two things primarily that, that negatively affect marriages most. And one of them is finances, not something you've got to worry about when you're young and you're dating, but the other is how do you handle conflict? The number one reason people go to marriage counseling is for communication issues. It's usually not even the issue that they think is the bad thing. It's usually something else. And most of the time, an inability to learn to communicate with each other just makes it worse and to, brings you to the breaking point. But how did they handle conflict? I mean, how do, they, how do they handle when things don't go well? Are you constantly on the defensive? Are you constantly on the receiving end? Or does this person just constantly bring out in you things that, you know, are your worst characteristics and you don't know why is this person always bringing this out in me? Knowing your options helps you to recognize this is just not a good fit. I don't want it to be like this for the rest of my life. Do they always have to be the focus? The big question in knowing your options is, with this person, can you imagine spending the rest of your life with them? Can you imagine, with all that you know, spending the rest of your life with them? I think one of the things I've learned is that we, we often learn to recognize what is best for us once we have experienced what is not. Let that soak in. We often recognize what is best for us when we experience what is not. A lot of times that just means you're going to go through times that it's not going to be perfect. They're not going to be great. You're not going to enjoy it. You're going to have a difficult breakup and it's going to be painful. But a lot of times learning what to look for is experiencing what is not. The last thing I'd share with you is for those of you who are just, those of you who are single and those of you who are dating. And it's just, it's in the area of physical intimacy and sex. I grew up, sex was bad. And this is a problem we have in the church, is we talk about sex being bad, unless you're married. And many couples will struggle in their relationship if they've grown up in the church because they've been told one message their entire life, sex is bad, it's bad, it's bad. And then you get married, and it's supposed to be good, good, good. But there's something in you that still feels like it's bad. The reason that the church tends to do that is because we see so many things, just like that young couple I mentioned earlier, where they weren't in a committed relationship with each other. They had not come to the place where they knew they were going to spend their lives with each other. Now they've got a child that they've got to figure out how to do life with, and had they not made that choice, their options would still be wide open. But when a child enters the picture, options shrink. But the church has responded to that by just trying to tell people, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. God did not create it to be bad. God created it to be good. In fact, after God created Adam and Eve and told them to multiply and fill the earth, He said everything was very good, right? 
But I would say, rather than saying it's bad, wait for what is best. You know, Romans 12 says, I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Ephesians 5 says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant and and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and impurity or covetousness, covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. The reason I say stop just saying, stop telling kids sex is bad, it's bad, it's bad, it's not bad. But there's a best and there's something that's less than. So as you are doing this, I would return to remember what I said was one of the most important things. Keep the main thing, the main thing, and that is your relationship with Christ. Let them hold that position. Even after you're married, they have to hold the number one position. Deidre and I are very clear in our order of priorities. I am not number one, and she is not number one to me. She is a number two, and I'm her number two. But we are very clear with each other and to our kids, they do, we do not hold the number one priority in each other's lives. Because when we do that, things get messy and get messed up. God holds that position and God alone. And the interesting thing is, is similar to being yoked together, if two people are in a relationship and are not committed to that reality and one person holds God in the position of number one and someone else holds the other in the position of number one, that leads to tension and frustration and conflict. Because eventually the person who has put their spouse in the number one position will become upset that God holds their number one spot. And when God brought Adam and Eve together, he told them, come together and be one flesh. This mixing, intermingling of your lives. And there are few things that will intermingle your lives together with someone like sex will. It will... will, you will never come to the place in your life where you can completely separate yourselves like before. That's one of the reasons that we talk about divorce being so destructive in people's lives. God doesn't just go out there and say, you know what, I've decided what I think is good and bad. And and they're just arbitrarily bad things. God knows there, there is pain associated with not following what I'm telling you. I, as a father, am telling you, What is very good because fathers give good gifts to their children. I'm trying to spare you from hardship. And I'm telling you, we live in a culture that absolutely says, I am an idiot for saying this stuff. It's everywhere. You can't even have a new cable show where there's not like graphic sex and nudity on it now, making it just absolutely normal in all relationships that, gosh, you know, Got to try before you buy, right? Boy, there are a lot of broken people who regret trying before they bought. And I'm telling you, God has something better 
planned. God has something incredible planned to knit your life together. To take you places that you would never go on your own. God has an incredible plan to demonstrate the love between Christ and the church, between a husband and a wife. God has a plan for that. But wait for what is best. I've seen so many people I, that it has, they have ruined their lives by not waiting. I tell you, some of our folks that are graduating or will be graduating in the next few years, You've got so many options wide open for you in life. I, I'm excited. We went on a college tour with Jake yesterday, and uh, it was just exciting to see opportunity and what is possible and all of the things that are out there to experience in life. And the options are wide open, but there are few things that will end your options like a child that you weren't expecting will be outside of marriage. I've seen brilliant people brilliant men and women who could have done anything with their lives and just a moment of making a poor decision now they just got to work to take care of a child it's hard i've seen people that have just gosh had all kinds of potential and had so many aspirations and hopes and dreams for the future and after one bad choice they got sick and it would change them forever. I'm just telling you, wait for what is best. So I know for some of you, I appreciate you uh, hanging in there when you're not in a ser- uh, situation of dating for this. I hope that you're, you hear some things that will affect your life moving forward. Next week, we're going to be talking about something else, another area of messy love. I'm not exactly sure which one we're going to do next week, but one is is going to be talking about marriage, and one is what happens when marriage doesn't go well. What happens when all of a sudden the fairy tale is more of a nightmare? And then we're going to be talking about our friends that are just hard to love. You love them, you give your life for them, but they make choices and they're just they're just they're falling apart and you're just not sure how to deal with them. How do we love somebody like that? How do we love somebody that rejects our willingness to help and invest in their lives? We've got lots to talk about in this series of messy love. But today, what I want you to leave here with, remembering all of our students, whether you're an adult in this situation, is Proverbs four twenty three guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. Let God be the one who is directing the course of your life. We do that by letting Him have our hearts first. All right, would you pray with me? Father, God, I thank You for the wonderful things You've given us in this life. And that a priority from the very beginning was that we would not be alone. Father, I pray as we are navigating those waters and as many in this room are navigating those waters today that you will give them a peace that you if you will lead them into all of the places that they should go if they will follow. I pray that you would help us to guard our hearts, to keep you in the, the place of worship and the 
place that holds permanence and is our ultimate priority, that you are our treasure far and beyond before we put anyone else anywhere near that place. I pray that you would help us to love you fully and that we would be able to experience your love so that we can pass that on to others. I pray for those that are in difficult relationships with as many questions as they do answers. I pray that you would give them wisdom as they move forward. I pray for those that are in relationships that really need to end, but they're afraid to let them go. I pray that you would give them confidence and courage and strength. I pray that you would give them a vision for a life where they can move forward with you. Father, I pray for those that are just wanting to be with someone. They're lonely and they're struggling. And I know that that is such a vulnerable time to just accept anyone who shows any interest. And I pray that you would give such a sense of calling and purpose and a vision for their future that they can walk with you holy and alone with you before they walk with someone else that will only bring heartache and hardship in their lives. I pray for all of us that you would help us to make you our priority. It is so easy to put someone else or something else in that position. I pray as we worship in these next few minutes that we will worship with our hearts. We will recognize how much we love you and how much you've given us and how blessed we are to walk with you. And I pray in all these things that you'll help us to follow you well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.